Network. We have the best government money can buy. Pretty topical, current events and all. Well, there's truly nothing new under the sun because we were warned about selling our government decades ago by Mark Twain. And that's the truth. And we're TNN, the Truth News Network. And your master of the real world is Dan Newman. Yeah, I guess we've got to differentiate between the world and the real world, right? (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the final day of the week, at least the work week. And we're glad you joined us this morning at TNN Live, a production of truthnewsnet.org. Where do we even get started talking about all the relevant issues that we need to dig into to get the truth out there every day? You know, in, in all honesty, we could spend about three, maybe even four hours every day and not run out of important content. That's one thing Democrats in power make very, very good talking points for conservatives all across America, not just in media but for conservative Americans to digest. The problem is we don't have enough time in the day to cover it and do it justice. So we're going to dig in in a little bit. Let me tell you some of the things coming up today. Jesse Waters weighs in. He has totally identified what Joe Biden's campaign is going to be about moving forward toward the 2024 presidential election, and he's locked in on a way to win has Joe Biden. He's going to weigh in on that. You're going to hear from some folks that uh, really know what's going on in this Trump investigation. We can't even call it an investigation any longer. I think more appropriately would be the term uh, lynching because that is literally what the left is trying to do to Donald Trump. More details about all that are going to come out in today's show. But we always have our little ditty at the top of the show to kind of cool everybody off and get you in the mood to listen. Before we go there, you've heard Democrats now for years just go postal on every issue, real or otherwise, regarding Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. He's a hardcore right-wing extremist, they tell us, but he is probably the most straight-down-the-line constitutional originalist on the court, which is what they're supposed to be. There's really no room for a justice's opinion regarding all the issues that come before their court. They're supposed to determine any issue that comes before the court based upon one thing and one thing only, the Constitution. Now, there's a group of justices on the court that believe that we are supposed to be able to look back, oh, I don't know, 50, 75, 100, 150 years when a lot of the original Constitution was penned and a bunch of the amendments were put together. And we're supposed to find out what those that wrote those laws, what they really meant when they wrote them. Originalists, like every conservative on this court, their perspective is what they thought and wanted us to look at and consider was encapsulated by one thing. What are in the specific laws that come before the court based on a challenge? That's it. 
Well, because Clarence Thomas is a straight-down-the-line conservative, the left are doing anything and everything they can to get rid of him. Now, I know you heard over the last, I guess, six weeks, Clarence Thomas got some benefits from some benefactors, and the left just went crazy, crazy, crazy about it. Oh, he's being influenced in his opinions on the court because people are doing favors for him. There were some trips that he took, he and his wife, with some very close, longtime friends, even before Clarence Thomas was a Supreme Court justice. And they're doing everything to denigrate his job on the court. I guess the latest happened last week. In July, the New York Times published a blockbuster claim that Justice Clarence Thomas illicitly accepted the gift of a Super Bowl ring that could be worth up to $80,000. Now, let me, let me just say this. These kind of rings, Super Bowl rings, any sports league championship ring, they typically increase in value. Most of them, like in the NFL, they start very valuable. So this got a lot of people's attention. By the way, I have a league ring for the Arena Football League. I was the only owner in the history of the league that was voted in to the Hall of Fame, the Arena Football League Hall of Fame. And I have a real nice big diamond gold ring. So they're they're very they're very expensive in the way they're crafted because there's a lot of gold and diamonds. But just the idea of being gifted a Super Bowl ring, oh my gosh, that's incredible, isn't it? And of course the New York Times printed it, so it's gotta be true. Well, this so-called paper of record claimed in that story that Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones gave the ring to Justice Thomas as a gift. Jones gave him a Super Bowl ring. This is in the story. He attended the Cowboys training camp. When the team played up in Washington, he sat in the owner's box. How dare him do that? Naturally, when the New York Times puts this out, the rest of the media ran with the story, accused Thomas of selling his influence and not reporting income. The Times story, for instance, led the Fort Worth Star-Telegram to question Thomas's ethics, writing, quote, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has a Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl ring? Why? But now Thomas's associates are speaking out against the story. Listen to this. This is a quote. I expect the New York Times to issue a retraction on this lie and an apology to Justice Thomas. That's Justice Thomas's co-author Mark Poletti, and he was speaking to Fox News. Teton Capital CEO David Sokol, a member of the Horatio Alger Association, and a close friend at Clarence Thomas, also pointed out that the ring Thomas got is nothing but a cheap replica, not an original Super Bowl ring. It was a replica ring, Sokol said. An authentic Super Bowl 27, Super Bowl 27 ring can cost over $80,000 or more now. But reproductions can go for, and they usually do, less than 50 bucks. Higher quality Super Bowl replicas rarely cost more than a couple of hundred dollars to manufacture. 
Sokol blasted the New York Times report. He said, people are just looking for ways to attack conservative Supreme Court members. They just run with stuff even when they know it's not true. Other folks have chimed in, as you can imagine. It was a replica. It hardly had any value. It was just used as a paperweight. That's from a former Clarence Thomas staffer who wanted to remain anonymous, and I can understand why. I was there. I was working for the justice at the time. I assure you, it was just a replica. It was also later discovered that Thomas did disclose the gift of the ring, by the way, on his 1994 ethics form. But a great newspaper like the New York Times, they have no requirement for journalistic integrity and honesty in what they report to do a little research. Wouldn't you think if you were going to attack one of nine, any one of the nine justices on the Supreme Court for a breach of ethics, there's a form they fill out every time they get a gift of anything or every time they get something they're supposed to declare that. Wouldn't you think the monstrous New York Times would have somebody just go skim Clarence Thomas's ethics forms to see if maybe, just maybe, he had declared that? I guess we just need to get used to this crap. What do you think? Because it's going to happen every day. They will say anything, do anything, screw the facts. Who gives a rip what's true? We want to weaponize everything that we can against all of our political opponents. So we'll just go ahead and do it. It's always easier to come back later and ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission, right? I guess I found that out when I was a kid. That's just one example of the insanity. Jesse Waters is going to make a blockbuster revelation for you right after this song.
Sweet as the punch. 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 During that song, I got a text from a good friend that asked, where did you dig that up, Dan? That was 1967. The group, The Association, I don't even know if you remember who they were, but they did some really interesting songs, had great harmony. That song, by the way, Along Comes Mary, it's not about a woman named Mary. It's about marijuana. And, of course, back then, you know, when you were a musician and you wanted to write a song and bring in some drug stuff, you had to disguise it so nobody would get angry with you. <laughs> oh my! And I, as you know, if you're a regular, I love music here. Good music. I want to. I want to call out some folks right now, live on the air. We don't do this very often, but we have some very loyal supporters. That I mean, almost every day, without exception, they're here. If they're not here live listening to the show, they're always going back and downloading any show that they missed. We have a up up on the northeast part of the U.S. Maine, New Hampshire, um, Massachusetts. In fact, we've got a big crowd from the Boston area that listen here every morning. And I want to say thank you to all of you. And look, thank you to everybody, not just other parts of the nation, but South America, over in Europe, even Asia. We have a big group of people from Malaysia that listen in here. Several of them I met years ago in a business transaction And uh, I guess everybody's trying to figure out what's best as far as information so they can make some decisions. And I want to say thank you for joining us and being here with us every day. Speaking of Boston, went on a motorcycle trip, I guess, 22 years ago. That's a long time. (laughs) But remember, I just had my 70th birthday, but I went with two friends and we rode up the east coast of, uh, we we left Boston, Massachusetts, went up the east coast, went into Maine. You remember that movie, Perfect Storm? We actually stayed in that little motel by that harbor uh, where that fishing boat that was the subject of that movie, Perfect Storm, we stayed there. And then we just decided we were going to take off And we went up to Montreal, Canada on the back of Harleys. Went through Vermont. Oh, my gosh. This was during the season when all of the uh, maple trees were putting out their maple syrup. And you drive through that part of the country at that time of the year. It was really, really a great trip. But in Montreal, we went to a street festival one night. And I'm wearing a gold earring in my left ear that I got at that street festival from that trip 22 years ago. So I've got lots of good memories from that part of the U.S. and Canada. And I want to say thank you to everybody. On with business. I told you Jesse was going to come into the show and was going to enlighten us. He figured out exactly the whole context of Joe Biden's campaign, ideology, what they're going to do, why they're going to do it all. And instead of me telling you about it, I thought we'd let Jesse... Fox News alert, we just learned Joe Biden's campaign strategy. Biden's prosecutors have asked a D.C. judge to set the trial date for Trump's January 6th case on no, January 2nd. 
a trial that could end up going for two months. And Donald Trump would have to be physically in court in Washington, D.C. every day for those two months, January and February, meaning the front runner for the Republican nomination would miss the Iowa caucuses, the Nevada primary, the New Hampshire primary, and the South Carolina primary. That means no rallies, no fundraisers. He'd be stuck nine to five Monday through Friday in a D.C. courtroom. But that's not all. Beginning in late March, Trump would have to be in a New York courtroom sitting across the table from Alvin Bragg, keeping him off the campaign trail through April. And in May, Trump will have to sit back at court for the Mar-a-Lago documents case in Florida. Now, President Biden's using these partisan prosecutors to physically prevent his opponent from campaigning. Gross election interference. And Joe Biden still has not even been asked about this once by the media. Biden's Department of Justice even designated Donald Trump a flight risk when prosecutor Jack Smith got a search warrant to crack into Trump's Twitter account. He made the case to the judge that Donald Trump, the most famous man in the world who has a Secret Service detail, would somehow flee the country and no one would notice. And you know what? An Obama-appointed judge, Judge Beryl Howell, agreed. Impeachment is the only option Republicans have now. Oversight Chair James Comer says after additional Biden business associates are subpoenaed, the Biden family is next. This is always going to end with the Bidens uh, coming in front of the committee. Uh, we are going to subpoena the family. We're told Joe Biden's brother Jimmy will be subpoenaed to testify. His bank records will be next. Then Hunter will be subpoenaed. Next, his bank records. The Biden family will resist and it'll immediately launch an epic court fight. But the point the case will be made for impeachment. You have bribery, money laundering, racketeering and obstruction of justice allegations. Joe Biden's personal bank accounts will eventually be hit with a subpoena. This is why Joe Biden is desperate to keep Trump in court during the election. So Joe can lay low, let his lawyers in the media block questions and subpoenas and stumble into a second term. Because if Joe Biden loses, he'll be indicted by Trump's Justice Department. So both candidates, Trump and Biden, must win this election in order to stay out of prison. Can you imagine that even being a possibility that either of the two major candidates running the president, Joe Biden, and of course, Donald Trump. They're both running, hoping to win so they don't go to jail for all the stuff that's piling up against them, be it true or not. Who would ever thought we would find ourselves in this situation? Now, who's playing hardball in this whole war, political war, and who's playing softball? Well, Trump is very braggadocious. He's very vocal vocal, verbal, to the point. You never question what he's thinking because he always says what he's thinking. Joe Biden, on the other hand, he's just trying to tread water and stay out of trouble and stay on the uh, teleprompter whenever he speaks to anybody publicly. So who knows where Joe Biden's head is. But one thing we do know, they, being the hard left, have made it very clear. They're willing to do anything, say anything, do anything to anybody that's necessary to keep Donald Trump from the presidency again. Let me just give you 
an illustration of that. You know all about the January 6th committee. In fact, this latest spate of charges that uh, the special counsel Smith included in the least the, the the last indictment of Donald Trump was about January 6th stuff. And former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she convened that January 6th committee. It was full of a bunch of Democrats, only two R-I-N-O, Republicans on the case. R-I-N-O, Rhino, Republican in name only. Liz Cheney and the former representative from Ohio that is just a hardcore leftist. I don't even know why either of these two ever ran as Republicans but they're because they're not very conservative. But anyway, all that being said, in this so-called trial, it wasn't a trial, but it was a committee hearing a series and they convened every month or so and very publicly called witnesses that were pro-far left and anti-Trump. Never let any one of the two Republicans even ask a witness a question didn't let them enter into evidence any doctor, uh, any documentation about anything. It was so hardcore left, it was almost comical. But obviously, this was all a setup because Counsel Smith, it wasn't probably him at the time, but Democrats are pretty certain they were going to go after Trump. They were going to get him. Legally, going to get him. So in those preparations... They couldn't let all of the facts come out in this trial against Donald Trump. So what do they do about it? They can't cover it up. That's public property, right? So guess what they did? The January 6th committee defied a demand last year when Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, he came to power, and his demand was that the committee preserve all of its records, all of its evidence, transcripts, And guess what we found out day before yesterday? The committee has destroyed much of what it collected over more than a year of investigation. That's not their property. They did not have authority to do that, period. Nancy Pelosi is no longer House Speaker, and if any House Speaker had that authority, it left with her. Representative Barry Loudermilk, a Republican from Georgia. He made that revelation Tuesday, noting that the committee had not looked into possible security lapses at the Capitol, and that much of the material the committee did preserve, it's in no special order, not indexed, and it's hundreds of thousands of pages of paper. This was the news report about it. The House Select Committee that investigated the Capitol riot on January 6, 2021, failed to adequately preserve documents, data, and video depositions, including communications it had with the Biden White House that are still missing. According to the Republican lawmaker overseeing the GOP investigation into the committee's work, the now disbanded J6 committee, which was run by Democrats, included only two Republican members, has also failed to provide any evidence that had looked into Capitol Hill security failures on the date of the riot. Now, this is according to Representative Loudermill. Nothing was indexed. There was no table of contents or any contents index. Usually when you conduct this level of investigation, you use a database system. 
Everything's digitized, indexed. We have nothing like that. We just got raw data, Loudermilk said. So it took us a long time going through it. And one thing I started realizing is we don't have anything much at all from the blue team, which was to have investigated security lapses. Loudermilk, he also added that the blue team was shut down before it could probe the issue of security lapses at the Capitol because the committee intended to blame Donald Trump, who has since been indicted for allegedly inspiring the whole thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you just can't make this up. The committee included an extensive staff of lawyers, including former prosecutors, spent millions of dollars. We don't even know what the number of millions were spent is. The committee conducted more than a thousand interviews of witnesses who testified, usually under oath, in closed-door depositions. Only a few of the witnesses were called to testify publicly at hearings that were scripted with committee members reading from teleprompters. Videos and transcripts were made, but only a few clips were shown to the public and only a few transcripts were ever released. Several witnesses, by the way, complained that testimony was selectively edited to distort or even reverse its meaning, and that members of the committee had publicly accused them of wrongdoing with no evidence in which they had denied in their own testimony. Republicans also suspected the committee was talking with Joe Biden's White House and with the Department of Justice, perhaps to circumvent witnesses' procedural rights in getting material for future prosecutions. And obviously, because of all this crap, McCarthy wrote to Benny Thompson, who's the Democrat chairman of that committee, in November of 2022, right after Republicans won the House back in the midterms, it is imperative, imperative, McCarthy said, that all information collected be preserved, not just for institutional prerogatives, but for transparency to the American people. The people have a right to know that the allegations you have made are supported by facts. Other Republicans made the same claims. And only then did we find out, uh uh-oh, we lost it. It's not here. (laughs) None of this should surprise any of us. None of it. I guess this is big news on the Democrat Party side. Longtime Democrat, former West Virginia governor, and now U.S. Senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin. Many people have been looking for him to do this for years, and that's leave the Democrat Party. And as of yesterday, the senator himself said he's seriously considering becoming an independent, contending that the Democrat brand has become so bad. Manchin argued Democrats in Washington have tarnished the Democrat Party's image. I'm thinking seriously, he said. For me, I have to have peace of mind, basically. He spoke that on a radio show, West Virginia host Hoppy Kercheval. The brand has become so bad, the D brand and the R brand, Democrat and Republican, In West Virginia, the D brand, because it's the national brand, 
It's not the Democrats in West Virginia. It's the Democrats in Washington. He said, you've heard me say a million times, I'm not a Washington Democrat. And he said he's variously city, very seriously considering leaving the party, becoming an independent. He wouldn't be the first. Senator Kirsten Cinema, now an independent from Arizona, she was a Democrat. She became an independent eight months ago. Manchin, however, could also make a similar move to Cinema's and still caucus with Democrats, which helps give Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer a Democrat majority but it also would give them the opportunity to vote the other way on certain issues. Manchin said he's going to decide by the end of the year if he'll run for a fourth term in the Senate or run for president as a third-party candidate. And these guys that are talking about pulling out of their respective parties and going independent, they're pointing at and heading to an affiliation with no labels, no labels. No Labels is a bipartisan centrist group, and they tell everybody they're going to raise $70 million to back any independent candidate for the 2024 presidential election. Democrat strategist David Axelrod, you'll probably remember him from the Clinton years, he said that Manchin may run for president to serve as a graceful exit from Congress's upper chamber where he could face defeat Right now, in West Virginia, Governor Jim Justice has already announced he's going to run, and he's leading Manchin by 22%. That's not looking too good for Joe Manchin. Manchin said as potential third-party candidacy wouldn't spoil the election in favor of Republicans, where Donald Trump currently dominates the primary landscape. All of these things. There's so many moving pieces to all of this. And meanwhile, guess what's happening on the other side? I'm talking about politics now. (laughs) There is no other side. Politics is one big party. I mean, they just, they pick sides every once in a while and go to war about specific things, but they're all in the swamp. They're all in the swamp. Of course, Joe Biden is in a world of trouble. You know that Bible scripture, be sure your sins will find you out every day now. There's another page turn pointing out more corruption by Joe Biden. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley. You see him pretty much on every network now with all of this impeachment conversation going. He said the media and Democrats were offering ridiculous excuses about the bribery allegations involving Hunter. The media is now acknowledging that, yeah, Hunter Biden was selling influence and access, but it was an illusion. And there's no proof that Joe got an envelope full of money or direct deposit to his account. Therefore, there's no there there. That's what the Democrats are saying. Democrats have constantly said, stop asking questions because you don't have that type of direct evidence of benefits. Turley said, that's ridiculous. Obviously, all of these payments benefit Joe Biden. It's going to the Biden family fund. 
And they're all the pieces that we can put together, and we've done it for weeks now. Devin Archer, he came and testified, and he threw some more gasoline on the Joe Biden, the Biden family syndicate. And every day since, this was Monday a week ago, every day since, it just gets stronger and stronger and more obvious that Joe Biden is in the tank. Being a crook doesn't mean you're a moron, Turley said. It would take a moron to do a direct deposit into an account to the Biden family or send him some Zelle money transfer. It's just not done. And the Bidens are very good at this. They've been in the influence peddling business for decades. There have been articles, not just Hunter, but the president's brother, Jim, openly selling his access, according to critics. So they've been at this a long time. Charlie said, here's the weird thing. You have got this labyrinth of accounts, right? Two dozen different shell company accounts that have no discernible pursuance except to hide the money transfers going to the Biden family. And yet Democrats are demanding the one thing that is the least likely to appear, Turley said. Despite that whole apparatus just to transfer money, someone was giving a direct deposit slip to Joe and Jill. I mean, how crazy is that? So we have to, I think, deal with the reality that this is what influence peddling is. And it's getting deeper and deeper. Eric Schwerwin, who's a former business partner of Hunter, Schwerwin visited the White House at least 19 times during the Obama administration when Joe served as VP. Schwerwin, we hear, is going to testify before the House Oversight Committee. That's according to James Comer, head of the Oversight Committee. And that, my friends, will be a certain big debacle that's going to fall. And it's not going to fall Joe Biden's way. Now, big media, corporate media, legacy media, whatever you want to call them, they're beginning to awaken and realize that the American people have caught on to this charade. And they're getting a little bit scared. You know who John King is? He's actually a good news reporter. He's CNN's chief national correspondent. Yesterday, he said Republican voters, Republican voters don't trust their corporate news network. So much to unpack here, he said. Inside Politics host Dana Bash, after a video of King having conversations with Republican voters in Iowa, one of the things that struck me first and foremost, obviously and really in my gut, in my heart, was just how seeped in these completely conspiratorial questions and thoughts are in our blogosphere, particularly you are talking to Republicans that consume conservative media who don't tell you the whole truth. Now, this is somebody from CNN, Dana Bash, and she showed a video of King having these conversations with voters. And, of course, Dana Bash, who has been caught in multiple lies on air about pretty much everything, and especially dealing with Donald Trump. And she was upset because King was talking to Republicans that consume conservative media who don't tell you the whole truth. 
There are too many Democrats who want to say, they're deplorables. Why talk to these people? There are millions of them, King responded. This is a family that's an economic anchor in the community. The business started in the basement, employs 80 people. The new solar company employs 15 people in a part of the country that's been challenged economically the last 25 years. They're good people. I can't believe John King is saying this about we conservatives. They raise money for the Girl Scouts. They go to church. But they believe things that would break our fact-check machine. That's just a fact. They don't trust us. They think we're part of the problem. Now, he didn't come out and say, we are part of the problem. He said conservatives think that these Democrats and media hacks are part of the problem. But it's getting kind of um, seedy over there at CNN. Three employees resigned in June of 2017 in the wake of a story that wrongly reported that a member of then-president-elect Donald Trump's transition team was under investigation from the FBI over ties to Russia. CNN host Allison Camerata, who at one time was with Fox News, she was fact-checked by Republican Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio when she on air claimed the Steele dossier had been corroborated. Special counsel John Durham released a report on the origins of the FBI investigation of allegations that former Trump in his 2016 presidential campaign colluded with Russia. And that was on May 15th that found that the FBI did not and could not corroborate the claims from the Steele dossier. So shame on you, Allison Camerata. Then CNN host Brian Stelter, who's gone. Little Brian, as President Trump calls him, Little Brian claimed during the 2020 election that Hunter's laptop was a piece of Russian disinformation. And he was only echoing an October 2020 letter signed by 51 former intelligence brilliant officials. Every one of them. Most of them were with the CIA, and multiple of them were former heads of the CIA. Politico published that letter following a report by the New York Post about the contents of Hunter's laptop. Twitter locked multiple accounts, including the New York Post and the personal account of then-White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany for sharing the October 14, 2020 report citing a hacked materials policy. This kind of crap just goes on every day. It still does. I mean, in the segment, you've already heard from Jesse Waters today talking about the plan, what's Joe Biden's campaign strategy. It's simply this. Keep Donald Trump from campaigning and throw anything after him that you possibly can to keep him off the campaign trail. And they've just done it. They're not even trying to hide it. And the media, oh my gosh, the mainstream media, as they always are, is right there just doing anything and everything at the Democrat Party's bequest. You can argue all you want to. You can say I'm wrong. But facts are out there that prove it. And many in the legacy media, many of them, 
are getting fearful because they're seeing what conservatives are seeing and the conservatives are believing the facts and are putting away the talking points of the left. How can that happen? These conservatives aren't smart people. They should only be listening to us. After all, we're the enlightened ones. We at CNN and MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, we're the ones that know the facts. They shouldn't be listening to this conservative media crap. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you could see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza. And we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrap deep deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian. They're spooky. They're um, um, big. And then you go to battle. And it's like... <laughs> And finally, your foe is vanquished, and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh. Download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. The verdict is in. <laughs> Judge Steve Harvey is a hilariously good time. <laughs> what do you think she spent the money on? Lipo and a butt job. You got as long as you need to respond to that. Judge Steve Harvey, new Tuesday on ABC. left-wing media insanity, the fear that's just growing and growing and growing. It's almost comical to those of us that have been watching it, and we learned many years ago it is what it is. It's factually unfactual. They're being spoon-fed so-called facts from people inside the Biden administration. So yesterday, one of Trump's lawyers was on CNN I don't know why that happened, but anyway, this reporter on CNN got laid flat open by Trump's lawyer. Listen to this back and forth. You talk about free speech. Jack Smith noted Trump's right to free speech and to contest the election results, but what he says 
in this indictment is that when that did not work, the defendant, your client, pursued unlawful means of discounting legitimate votes and subverting the election results, and that that is why he is being char charged here, not because of anything related to free speech. Yeah, but that's factually inaccurate because the ultimate request that Mr. Trump made to Vice President Pence was pause the, the vote counting, allow the states to weigh in ultimately and audit or recertify. And under Article 2, uh, Section 1, Clause 2, the, the, the actual responsibility for qualifying electors is in the state legislatures. Mr. Trump had the advice of counsel, Mr. Eastman, who was one of the most respected constitutional scholars in the United States, giving him advice and guidance. That's pure politics. You may disagree with it, and people have spirited arguments about the law all the time, and that's why lawyers are in business. But we've never had a situation where a spirited debate about the Constitution has become a criminal case. What's going to happen when, when there's a Republican administration? Is there going to be an effort to criminalize speech by Democrats? Is there going to be an effort to characterize something that a Democrat politician says that's not, uh, that doesn't meet some kind of truth standard at the, at the Department of Justice? That that's going to be the subject of a criminal indictment? We've now entered a constitutional abyss as a result of this indictment. If we're going to have a, a situation where the Department of Justice is going to fact check politicians and indict politicians for political speech and whether or not they're factually accurate, then this country will shut down politically because it's a never ending cycle of tit for tat. And that's the risk of injecting politics into the criminal justice system. So right now people disagree with President Trump. What's going to happen four years from now if somebody disagrees with President Biden in terms of what he said during the election? That's why we don't criminalize political speech. Political speech under the First Amendment has, has an almost absolute protection. Nobody gets to judge whether it's true or not except the American people. And but we John do that in an election. We do that in an election. We do that in the case of a president by impeachment. But we don't indict people John, for speech. i got to stop you there. <laughs> John, uh, John, I, I got to stop you there. Facts make a difference to most people, but not everybody. You do realize that. The world is full of people, and probably you as well as me. I know I've done it from time to time. I want something to be true so, so much that I'm willing to just step out and believe it's true, hope it's true, and sometimes I take actions on what I hope something is going to be rather than waiting and finding out was it factual or not. We're living in a world that is full of that, absolutely full of it. How do you think we got to where we've got a president sitting in the White House that without any reservations, I can say, has been the recipient, maybe not directly into his hand, but into his life, tens of millions of dollars that were illegally obtained. Now, how can I say that? How much more do we need before people are willing to at least open the book and start reading what's in the book? Joe Biden never had a business career. 
He was in the Senate 50 years, and the maximum you're going to receive there is about $170,000 a year as salary, and of course, you get business expenses. He wrote a book. He got an advance, yada, 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 but he's not a good writer. The book was only published because it was the former vice president's book. Jill is a teacher at a community college. I don't know how much she makes. But then look at the outside obvious things going on in that family. Jill and Joe own four multi-million dollar properties. One on the beach in Delaware is a $4 million property. How the heck? Where did they get the money for that? Well, show us where Joe got the online deposit for that money you're accusing him of having illegally. People that cheat, they typically don't cheat right in front of one's face. They hide it. And even that Ukrainian oligarch that is alleged to have given them a bunch of money, he laughed about the fact that nobody will ever find out where that money went that he was giving them because they created all these shell companies and different bank accounts and moved the money from place to place. Do you know why Ukraine is such a big business entity in the world? It is known and has been for decades to be the place to go to launder money. In other words, to try to make bad money good money by running it through various banks and companies, laundering it, cleaning it up. Why, oh, why would Barack Obama and Joe Biden take such interest in Ukraine during their second term? Why would they even do that? Ukraine was little more than a former section of the Soviet Union, and then, of course, Russia, after the Soviet Union fell. What big piece of anything did Ukraine offer to the world, especially to the United States, other than a way to make money, hide money, and launder money? If you think otherwise... Feel free to give me a call, toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. No, I haven't seen a deposit slip, but I've seen, I've seen all of the stuff that comes from having a lot of money. I can't get past the four mansions. I'm sorry. I just don't get it. Prove it the other way. If you prove it with facts... It'll change my mind. Lee Zeldin. You don't hear much about Lee Zeldin. He was a member of Congress from New York. He ran. He didn't run for Congress, but he ran for governor of New York, and he lost narrowly. But he's been plugged into all of this going on in Congress and about Congress and through Congress for quite some time. He's out now, and he is demanding that Congress subpoena Hunter and others in the Joe Biden crime family, crime family, his term. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer said last year he planned a subpoena hunter, not the president, but the committee confirmed Tuesday it's not yet issued Biden family member subpoenas. Here's what I don't understand. If they get subpoenas out there, it's going to take forever to get any stuff. 
from those subpoenas. Why is that? The Biden family, Joe Biden, probably Merrick Garland, the attorney general, they're going to come up with all kinds of reasons why to file against the subpoenas that would be issued for a multitude of reasons. We're talking about a long time. Here's what needs to happen. If Joe Biden is going to run for president again, which he still says he is, I'm one of those that predicted a long time ago he wouldn't, but nevertheless, if he runs again, we need to know the truth about all of this stuff so we can make a determination if he's the guy that should be once again back in the White House. Zeldin said Congress needs to subpoena Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, that's Joe's brother, and others in the Biden crime family to testify under oath. It's a corrupt global operation granting foreigners direct access to the highest levels of government in exchange for tens of millions of dollars. Early this year, the committee demanded Hunter and James provided relevant documents. James apparently didn't respond to Comer's letter dated February 7th, while Hunter denied the demand, claiming the committee has no legitimate oversight or legislative purpose to compel the information. After the Biden stonewalled the committee, it threatened to issue subpoenas to Hunter and James if they failed to provide requested documents. Now, I know I'm a rube from down in Louisiana, but I'm talking or thinking about House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer. February 7th. We're into August now. Why the heck did you wait this long? They're not going to cooperate in any way. Pull out the big stick. Go after them to get factual information. Comer said again, the next step will be subpoenas. For the subpoenas to win in court, we have to give them every opportunity to supply that information to us, June, uh, uh, Jim. From February, March, April, May, June, July, August, we're six months into it. Hunter already told you he's not going to comply. Jim hadn't said anything. Get these people in front of the people's house so that questions can be asked and answered and get this stuff going. You guys, at least you owe that to we Americans. I mean, come on. The people's house, the House of Representatives, those are 535, 435, 435 people that work directly for the people in their districts, in their various states in their districts. They're supposed to be, I know it may be a novel idea, but they're called representatives. They're supposed to be the voice of the people they represent. And the people across the board want all of this information out there so we can just shut this down and get something happening. Now, Jim, Hunter, that's a different thing than Joe Biden. And James, same thing. Hunter, James, they're in a different bucket as the president. The president, if anything's done, will be by impeachment. The other two, if anything's going to be done, it'll be in the legal system, the regular legal system. But either way, these people represent us. 
the people's voices get to the bottom of this and let's put it to bed and get on down the road with our lives. And you know there's something up when Joe Biden's attorney general and his Department of Justice, they made it very clear. They don't want Donald Trump to be on the campaign trail. How can we do it? Let's bury him with illegal action prosecution and just put layer after layer upon top of another layer to keep him from going out there. Joe Biden, probably better than anybody, he understands that if he gets on a debate stage with Donald Trump, it will be way different than it was the few times they went face-to-face in 2020's election. Joe doesn't have the cognitive ability to stand on a debate stage to lash out at any opponent, let alone Donald Trump. So Representative Wesley Hunt from the House of Representatives, a Republican, was with Megyn Kelly yesterday, and Megyn asked him, is President Biden about to get impeached by the House? Has uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, the minority leader over in the Senate, weighing in on this uh, just this week saying, this is not a good idea. This is not good for the country. He said, you know, I said this during the Trump two impeachments, that this was going to be taking us down a slippery slope. And it's not good for the country to be doing impeachment of this guy, impeachment of that guy. Kevin McCarthy's mm-hmm. only saying in an inquiry, like sort of figuring out whether we want to proceed with articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. So where do you stand on it? Before the congressman weighs in, that, what you just heard Megan say, Everybody's saying, this is not the good thing. We don't need to impeach this guy or that guy. Impeachment's purposely hard. It's in the Constitution, Article 2. It has all the rules in there. It should be difficult to impeach somebody. But what we're watching now is not the operation under the purposes of the establishment of impeachment that were put in the Constitution by our forefathers. It's being weaponized against conservatives, and the sitting party's people want to take on the challenger and keep the challenger from even being allowed to go into the election cycle. Wesley Hunt weighed in, answering Megan. So I've said this a few times on, on various shows. It's my opinion that even politically, this might not be the smartest move for us to impeach Joe Biden. And I say that because this is the worst approval rating that we've had for a president in modern history. We want this guy to run against the GOP nominee in 2024. And we want him to be as wounded as possible. And I don't want to rally the troops around him. With that said, I got to say, he's done enough. He has earned impeachment. And at some point, we as a country have got to look at uh, uh, this corrupt administration, this corrupt Biden family. And at some point, we got to say, you know, maybe it may not be in our best interest politically. Maybe it it, it might not be in our best interest, as as uh, as a Leader McConnell was saying, uh, to, to continue to divide the country. But then at some point, we are seeing millions and millions of dollars being funneled through this family through Joe Biden's son by using his influence and literally peddling our country away to other countries, at some point, enough is enough. And if articles of of impeachment are brought to the floor, Wesley Hunt will be a strong yes. Hmm. 
Mm. So let's talk about it because late, uh, yesterday, James Comer, head of the Oversight Committee, who's been all over this, and thank God, you know, thank God, because th- th- this yeah. needs to be exposed. Whether you love Joe Biden or you don't, um, this needs to be exposed, showing that by his tally, the number's now up to $20 million in payments from foreign sources to the Biden family and their business associates. Um most of this was during his term as vice president. Payments from Russia, from Ukraine, from Kazakhstan. And this is, so if you take, let, let's let's table the FBI Form 1023, which said Joe Biden got a $5 million bribe from the Ukrainians to get that prosecutor off of Burisma's back. And Hunter was on that board. And not to mention a $5 million bribe to Hunter as well, alleged. Let's table that. Yes. They don't. They haven't been able to prove it yet. The memo itself says they'll never be able to prove it. It says that, that the payments were made in such an obscure way. Good luck finding them. But if you look at what we do know, Representative, I'm, I'm curious because we know that millions of dollars, the IRS whistleblower said it was over 17 million. Now Comer's saying it's 20 million that went to the Bidens, Hunter, and other family members during Joe's vice presidency from these foreign companies who are paying for nothing other than access. Hunter has no skills. He has no, there's a, Jim Biden Zero. was providing no <laughs> Zero services. Skills. So it's That's truly right. just, it's just access. So we know that happened. But it all happened so, while he was vice president, not president. So how do we impeach him right. for it? So it, even though it, it, it may have happened while he was a vice president, what we do know is that Hunter Biden has continued to use his name and use his family to funnel money to his family. Basically, Hunter Biden has been his errand boy for the past, you know, six, seven, probably longer than that, probably for the past 20 years, even while he was a senator. Your question is very interesting, though, you know, in terms of him being the vice president and is that an, an, an impeachable offense? I would like to think that this just didn't stop when he was the vice president. I would like to think that over the course of the past few years, this behavior has continued. And I think if we just look a little bit deeper, we're going to find even more nefarious dealings with, with Joe Biden while he was the current president of these United States of America. But what's mm-hmm. really frustrating to someone like me is to think that we have a family that we know for a fact has gotten millions of dollars from a Ukrainian national energy company in Burisma, and now we are giving the Ukrainian government hundreds of billions of dollars of our taxpaying money. And if we don't think that that's a conflict of interest and now we are not entering the realm of this being an, an, an issue of national defense, then I really don't know what is. We've seen a smoking gun. We already have the receipts. And look, if this is not about actually uh, introducing articles of impeachment, OK, that's fine. It still is up to us. On the Judiciary Committee, it's up to us, we in the halls of Congress, to make sure that the American people are well aware of what this president has done to this country, well aware of his son's actions, and and to make sure that we decide very, very cautiously and very, very carefully in 2024. This is we the people. Now you know everything about the Biden family. Please choose wisely. Mm-hmm. Because you got Joe Biden, uh, according to these allegations, his family at least, taking millions from uh, these Ukrainian oligarchs. And now we've got, as you point out, all this funding of Ukraine. You've got uh, the relationship with the Chinese and the total disinterest in pursuing anything with respect to their Correct. spying on us or their spy balloons, not to mention the origins of COVID. Um, and then you have this Russian oligarch's wife. She was um, the former first lady of Moscow, Yelena Baterina. And we knew this before, but here, there's an interesting sequence on this, so follow me on it. 
it's not that Joe Biden's going easy on Russia. We all know, you know, he's he's on the Ukrainian side in that whole battle. Right, but right, right. this particular woman who gave $3.5 million to one of Hunter Biden's shell companies, $3.5 million back in 2014 when Joe was vice president, um, she managed to escape Barack Obama's sanctions on Russia after they annexed Crimea in 2014. And she managed to avoid President Biden's broader sanctions against Moscow's business elite and oligarchs after their invasion of Ukraine. This woman, I mean, they, that was a full dragnet he laid down, Biden did, on the Russian oligarchs after they invaded Ukraine. But not this lady who had given his son $3.5 million. And while we don't have proof Biden cashed in any of those checks, we do have the Hunter laptop talking about how 10% goes to the big guy. The big guy, yeah, yeah. Oftentimes uh, on Judiciary Committee, we talk about a two-tier justice system. Ma'am, I cannot believe you've, by the way, you've done this perfectly. You, you have laid out the case as to what's wrong with this family perfectly. And thank you so much for this. Could you imagine if this were anyone else? Could you imagine if this were right. Donald Trump Jr.? Could you imagine if this were any other former president, what would be happening right now, not just to his family, but to the president himself? This is absolutely insane, and the American public is sick of this two-tier justice system. If you're going to turn a blind eye to this, then we have to stop indicting former presidents if we're not going to indict this current president. If we're, if we're going to continue to turn a blind eye to the nefarious actions of Hunter Biden, then that means we have to turn a blind eye to the nefarious actions of basically any other regular citizen in this country, regardless of whose son you are. And I think the American public are absolutely sick and tired of watching these people get away with literally with literal highway robbery. When is enough enough? There were the appropriate questions asked in that interview. Wesley Hunt, pretty sharp guy. Megan Kelly, a really sharp person. And they asked the right questions. Let me tell you what I have for you. I have something very important I want you to think about. And it has to do with this entire mess, the Biden family syndicate, money going here, money going there, coming from this place, coming from that place. Who did it go to? What's it for? I've got two things that you've heard a little bit about before, but nobody but TNN Live has been talking about either of these. What could they possibly be? It has to do with illegal taking of money. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, at truthnewsnet.org. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I wasn't not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Oh, who's us? Supermodels. What are you modeling, gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. 
amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. And of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. <laughs> Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. As politics grow ever more chaotic, remember this truth. When you're taking heavy flack, it usually means you're over the target. Open the Bombay doors. Truthnewsnet.org. Your pilot on this mission, Dan Newman. I'm going to open the Bombay doors. I told you I had two things I wanted to bring to your attention for your consideration. And so here we go with the first thing. As you just heard, Megyn Kelly and Representative, um, what's his last name? I don't ever want to not recognize these uh, members of, of Congress. What's his name? Wesley Hunt. I'm sorry. He's from Texas, by the way. In that conversation, you heard them talking about when did all this money go into whatever the Biden family syndicate put it into, those shell companies passing it around. When did that happen? And they mentioned that apparently it started way back during the Obama-Biden administration. Now, one thing I know about Barack Obama, yeah, he's got a lot of secrets in his ba- in his past. We know all of that. There are tons of conversations that have had it about all of that. I'm not going down that road. But I'm bringing up something that is a credible question. Do you think that Barack Obama sent Joe Biden to Ukraine to first of all set up that relationship with the Ukrainian president at that time? This is Poroshenko. This is before Volodymyr Zelensky. Zelensky's there now. You know, he's very qualified. He was a comedian, a stand-up comedian. That qualifies anybody to be the president of a country, doesn't it? But Barack Obama knew what was going on. In his administration, he knew about everything. Everybody that worked for him later would say, this guy was on top of everything. Nothing slipped through the cracks. So what does that mean? This is one of the questions, one of the two I told you that we need to be asking. How much, if any, of this money went to Barack Obama or any Obama-related entity? Have you thought about that? That's a credible question I'm asking now. I have no idea where to go to get the evidence. It would take somebody that has access to information that I don't have access to. What's the second one, Dan? I don't know if I'm going to tell you what it is right now. (laughs) I think I may wait. In fact, I am going to wait. I am going to wait. So where can we go now? We're going to circle back to this conversation in a few minutes, but I want to weigh into something that's relatively new. Dr. Anthony Fauci, as you know, Dr. Fauci and Rand Paul, senator, who's also a doctor, they have constantly locked heads over and over again in these committee hearings. Rand Paul doesn't trust Fauci. Fauci can't stand Rand Paul. 
But now there's some evidence out there. Here we go, getting facts to make decisions. And Rand Paul has taken the facts, the for sure facts, and has forwarded these facts for potential criminal charges against Anthony Fauci. Listen to this. Dr. Anthony Fauci now referred to the DOJ for criminal investigation. We knew this was heading here. He accused of lying under oath to Congress about his knowledge of the U.S.-funded COVID research in Wuhan. Knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. Uncertain about what you, you see and hear in mainstream what you media? Are Worried about. about getting the Really? Senator Rand Paul filed the criminal referral and joins us now. Senator, you've been all over this. You've been aggressive. You've been determined. It seems we're at the threshold to the point where you called Matt Graves and said, I need you to look at this. Uh, what, what turned the tables for you? What evidence do you have? Well, you know, I don't think there's ever been a clear case of perjury in the history of government testimony. And I don't say that lightly. He said adamantly that the government never funded this gain-of-function research. We now have the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, has admitted that the funding came from the NIH. We have the acting director, Tabak, of the NIH admitting it in writing that it came from the NIH. But now we have really the smoking gun, and that is Fauci in private saying the opposite of what he was saying in public. When he was publicly telling me that absolutely we did not fund gain-of-function research in China, he says privately, we are suspicious that the virus has been manipulated, and we are suspicious because we know they are doing gain-of-function research. He then goes on to describe the research, and it's exactly the research that the NIH funded. So he's caught dead to, right, dead to rights here, but we have an, an incredibly partisan Attorney General Garland who's refusing to act. So I've taken the extraordinary step of actually going to the local U.S. attorney in D.C. to see if he will act. Now, the problem is, is there are partisans littered throughout the yep. uh, legal system, and people are seeing this. You, you don't get prosecuted if you're a Democrat under this administration, no matter what you do. And one of the lines uh, in the internal communication that were recovered was, Tony doesn't want his fingerprints on any origin stories. Why would that be? Well, because ultimately culpability attaches. Think about it. A million Americans died. This is one of the biggest events for, you know, in our lifetime, other than you know, the wars that we've been through. But in my lifetime, you know, this is a million people. In Vietnam, as horrible as it was, 60,000-something, I think, was the total death toll. But a million people died. More people died than in the Civil War. And if it came from a lab that we funded, wouldn't we want to know? And if someone made the decision, and here's what in all likelihood happened. There was a safety committee that was supposed to review dangerous research and decide whether or not we should fund it. Fauci went around the committee. He won't admit it, but I think ultimately there's going to be written proof, and I think the House is going to get this if we continue to look into their records, because the government is holding these records tightly. But evidence that Anthony Fauci 
took this dangerous research and said, no, no, if they get an exemption, they don't have to be reviewed by the committee to see if it's dangerous. And so they were mixing viruses together to see if they were more transmissible in humans or more dangerous in humans. It turns out they found that they could create viruses that were more dangerous. Yeah, some platypus and bat in a cave, or was he really as concerned as us and had many doubts about that story as we did? One of the quotes from the internal communication was, there were mutations in the virus that would be most unusual to have evolved naturally in the bats, and there was a suspicion that this mutation was intentionally inserted. That doesn't sound like a guy who's trying to tell you it didn't come from a lab leak, right? And exactly a month later, in a paper that was being written at exactly the same time, in publicly say, absolutely that this virus was not a construct of a laboratory. So in private, they're saying it has all the hallmarks of being created in a lab. In public, they're saying it absolutely didn't. And then they were attacking people like myself and others, other scientists as well. They were attacking us and saying we were conspiracy theorists, while in private, they're saying this is no conspiracy theory. This is a real thing, and it's the most likely thing that happened. So this is a real definition of a conspiracy, of a cover-up. And we're going to get to the bottom of this because uh, we need to try to make sure this doesn't happen again. And they're still funding this type of research. Senator, appreciate you staying on it. You staying to the facts. And I'm, I'm sure he wishes you would go away, but you're not. Thanks so much. That's just one example of corruption in our government. Who would think? Who would expect? Who would want there to be corruption in the health side of our government? You know, those agencies that are there specifically to help us, American citizens, every American citizen, with factual information and actions taken to improve health parameters for every American, like Anthony Fauci was supposed to be doing. Now, let me, let, let me just get you to think through one thing with me. The NIH, the National Institutes of Health, it's a division of the federal government. NIAID, which is the subdivision of National Institute of Health, that's the division that Anthony Fauci for many years was the head of. All of these underlings under the federal government, FDA, all of those, all of these underlings get very heavily and intricately involved in the licensing of new medications across the board, anything and everything. Now, through the years, it's been discovered that a lot of the scientists that are employed by the federal government, by the way, a lot of these scientists that make these discoveries and these medications that go through clinical trials that the taxpayers are paying for, and they finally get approved for consumption by the American public and even by animals, all of those scientists, because it was their work that ended up receiving patents to be used and sold around the world to make it all legal and kosher, yada, yada, yada. Those guys and women work for the American public. Now, some of those, some of this process is parsed out to medical colleges and universities that have these laboratories that specialize in this. And some of these Doctors work for these schools, these universities. So 
What happens to those patents and the rights for those patents? Now, you would think if these people were employees of the federal government, all of that would belong to the federal government, right? We the people. We're paying the bills. Nope. These doctors that are involved and the decisions come from the top management. Who is going to get a piece of what royalty for this particular medication? So I laid that groundwork to tell you this. The National Institute of Health received royalty payments from a Chinese state-owned pharmaceutical company controlled by the Chinese Communist Party that works with that Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's according to newly unredacted documents that are available by Open the Books, a not-for-profit. Listen, National Institutes of Health received over $325 million in royalties for taxpayer-funded technologies that were licensed by organizations around the globe, including a Chinese Communist Party-controlled company that neighbors and collaborates with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. NIH also received funding from a Russian animal vaccine developer, which fronted as a bioweapons lab, and from an American pharmaceutical company that pled guilty to deceptive marketing about OxyContin addiction. All this money is going to these doctors, not we the people. We paid the bills for all the research, all the development, salaries, everything. Republican congressional efforts to discover which companies made payments to NIH were largely ignored by the organization. They wouldn't even respond. Despite acting NIH Director Lawrence Tabak admitting that every royalty payment had the appearance of a conflict of interest. And that came during a 2022 congressional hearing. We now finally have a glimpse of where the money's coming from. And it only reinforces our reasons for working so hard to uncover the records. Medical innovations funded by the American taxpayer are being licensed and utilized by companies in adversarial nations like China, Russia, and Belarus. Congress must ensure these payments don't simply disappear back into the swamp in future years. They should make it law for third-party royalty payments to be disclosed routinely so that the public, journalists, and any interested party can examine them. And it doesn't stop there. Over 34 Chinese companies have licensed NIH taxpayer-funded technologies and made royalty payments in return, including the Wuhan Institute of Biological Products Company, which is a subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party. The Wuhan Institute of Biological Products also made royalty payments to Douglas Lowey, the acting director of the National Cancer Institute. The Wuhan Institute of Virology was just recently cut off from funding by the Biden administration amid concerns that the lab was the origin point of the COVID vaccine virus, according to a Department of Health and Human Services memo. NIH also got 20 royalty payments from Russian-based Pokrov Biologics plant 
That's a Russian vaccine company for farm animals that allegedly fronted as an off-the-record bioweapons lab. Former Democrat Senator Sam Nunn of Georgia visited Pockrove Biologics plant in 2022 and said it was a reminder of why unchecked biological and chemical material is the world's gravest threat. Purdue Pharma licensed NIH Technologies in return made 15 royalty payments from 2010 to 2013. That's a time period in which the NIH admitted it aimed to form a partnership with the company. Purdue twice pled guilty to federal criminal charges in 07 and 2020 for deceptive marketing that downplayed the risk of becoming addicted to OxyContin. Fauci himself received royalty payments from companies he previously refused to disclose to Congress, including blood testing and vaccine company Chiron Corporation. Chiron Corp was acquired by Novartis in 2006, has received $15 million in grants from the NIH where Fauci was a senior official and worked for over 50 years. As the most recognized official in NIH, Fauci was the face of the third-party royalties controversy. But our investigation was about a lot more than just a single scientist. It was about allowing for scrutiny of these records for potential conflicts of interest, public health implications, even national security implications for all of us. Every American should understand that the stakes in play when public health guidance is released by the federal government. Going on for year upon year, right behind our backs, we pay all the bills for them to do it all, create everything, pay for the infrastructure, the buildings, all of the people that work there. We pay all those bills. And then they create a medicine. Hey, we got to get this one to the marketplace. So they go to these pharmacy companies and say, You want to license this? You want to use this? Well, let's sign a contract. And the contract's not between the pharmacy company and the National Institutes of Health. It's between the pharmacy company and Dr. Fauci and other doctors that were legitimately part of the project. But we were paying their salaries while they were working. This is so corrupt. And Rand Paul had it right from the very beginning. And Anthony Fauci, the way he defends himself when he's caught in a lie is he starts questioning the character and the credibility of the person that's asking the question. He will never answer the question. He will never, he has never voluntarily given anybody in Congress the list of who got what royalties that are working for the NIH, who got what royalties from what company and how much it was, including himself. He was the guy that determined who got what. And if you crossed Anthony Fauci, he would just cut you off the gravy train. Every dime of all of that belongs to the American people. Every dime. Now, why did he spend so much time in these congressional hearings? Why did he get drilled so bad? Congress constitutionally 
has the oversight responsibility for every department in our government, top to bottom. Christopher Wray, his predecessor, and people at every level in the FBI and management, they've just determined and invented a way to not answer questions, specific questions about investigations ongoing, even ones in the past, even to admitting such an investigation is underway. And the way they do it is, we have a policy at Department of Justice. We do not talk about details ever in what's an ongoing investigation. All that is, is a way to get away without telling anybody about any of it. And by the way, that's not a rule. It's not a law. It's an internal decision that they make. It doesn't come through the lawmaking body. And so our Congress and our members of the House of Representatives, they have no teeth to be able to go after and force these people to talk. And of course, that's why we hear so many falsehoods coming out of the Department of Justice from top to bottom. Christopher Ray needs to go. Merrick Garland needs to go. Top level of all the management in the FBI needs to go. The CIA needs to go. We need somebody that has the chutzpah to come in there, clean house, bring people that that person personally knows to sit on top of and find who the bad seeds are in the Department of Justice and get rid of them and then bring others in through a process that would be totally transparent and get this crap out of the lives of Americans. It is far past the point of even being tolerable. We're getting screwed every time we turn around in the U.S., and almost every one of us don't have an idea when it happens. Oh, my gosh. We've only got 30 minutes left in this show. 30 minutes left. I still haven't told you what the second question is, have I? Well, just hold on. You're going to get it. You're juvenile, mate. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a Dare Ice Coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta Coffee Kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A Dare Iced Coffee Fix will fix it. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo. But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity clop, clippity clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. 
Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing. None of this makes sense. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. It's time. It's time to talk about that other question that I need to get answered. And I think after you hear, you'll be asking the same question that I'm asking. You know that we've had Dunstan Teo, who's a friend of the show, on this show four times now. Who is Dunstan Teo? He spells his name D-U-N-S-T-A-N, and his last name is T-E-O. Go Google him. Do a search and find out who he is. I'll give you the short answer. Besides being the holder of the largest number of Bitcoins in the world, he was one of the managing founding members of Bitcoin. He is an amazing and probably most knowledgeable person regarding cryptocurrency on the planet. He came on this show specifically, I guess maybe the third and fourth show that he came on here and talked to us about cryptocurrency and a lot of other things, how that whole process came to be and how it's being handled worldwide now, cryptocurrency, digital currency. But he came on, he was very disturbed, and he revealed to us, and you can go back and find the show. If you go back and look at the calendar of shows on Apple Podcast or Spotify, it goes way, 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 way back deep and look at the titles of the shows, you'll see the ones because Dunstan's name is in the title of that specific show that he was with us on. Sam Bankman-Fried, remember that uh, exchange, crypto exchange that went broke about five or six months ago and billions of dollars of people's investment were just lost? Sam Bankman-Fried was the guy that is still waiting for prosecution for all kinds of crimes revolving around what he did with people's money. It was corrupt from the very get-go. Not cryptocurrency, but that exchange. What does that mean? People were, they were taking their crypto just like it's stock and were giving the access to Sam Bankman-Fried's company to manage that money. And he was taking their money and doing whatever he wanted to do with it. And I'm bringing that up. This will tell you what my question is. He came on our show the last time he was with us. And this was about the time that we started giving big dollars to Ukraine. And he said factually, he knew factually, he knew all the details The first $100 billion in cash the United States sent to Ukraine in aid, it went as cryptocurrency. And the reason the justification for doing it that way was the banks and everything in Ukraine were all being blown apart by the Russians and the invasion. The only safe way 
was to put it in cryptocurrency accounts. Well, Vladimir Zelensky is a crypto guru himself. And so he worked with Sam Bankman Freed about the transfer of that money. Now, Dunstan came on to tell us, and he made it very clear, some of that crypto money went to places other than Ukraine. The Clinton Foundation got a chunk. The Clinton Foundation. Why would that be? Sam Bankman-Fried's mother is the CFO of the Clinton Foundation. A bunch of money went to, or a bunch of crypto, went to different people and individuals. Not all of what was left over went to the nation of Ukraine. Volodymyr Zelensky got a piece of it. My question is, that can be tracked. Why hasn't anybody, and if Dunstan comes on this show, and he's an international figure, everybody in digital currency on the globe knows Dunstan Teo, and he didn't try to hide it. I'm sure this is not the only place that he had that conversation. Why hadn't somebody taken that and looked into it? Why hasn't our Department of Justice looked into it. They are so Johnny on the spot about going after everything like that. Diligently. Especially if there's a conservative involved in it. Oh well. Now you know what my both questions were. And the Biden family syndicate is involved in both of my questions. Did you hear that? Yep, the Biden family syndicate was involved in the Ukrainian money shipped out as cryptocurrency. Let's switch gears. Disney, as we all know, is in deep doo-doo. They've done all kinds of stupid things, and they've been doing it in the name of social engineering and becoming woke and pushing it downstream not just among their employees and their big, big corporation, but also to the products they put out on the market for consumers like you and me. Disney's learning every month it was not a good idea for him to go that way. And the information coming out shows just how bad it is. The Walt Disney Company continues to hemorrhage money on its streaming services, which is the way everybody in that business is going, that's because broadcast television, even satellite television, it's like no big deal now. We're going to all go towards point and click on entertainment services. That's the way we're headed. They're losing. Disney is losing hundreds of millions of dollars in the most recent quarter, just three months as it plans to pass some of that pain to consumers by once again jacking up prices on Hulu, Disney+, and ESPN+. These numbers are staggering. Disney reported extreming business lost $512 million for the third quarter, marking an improvement 
which I find hard to believe, from the same period last year when it lost more than $1 billion in a quarter. CEO Bob Iger is in the midst of reigning in the company's profligate spending habits in the face of plunging profitability, recently laying off 7,000 workers worldwide. For the past three fiscal quarters, Disney's streaming losses have amounted to a stunning $2.22 billion. $2.22 billion. Disney fans will help absorb the impact of these losses in the form of higher monthly bills as the company jacks up prices across the board for streaming services. Right now, the price of a monthly Disney Plus subscription is going to $13.99. That's up from $10.99. Hulu's going up to $17.99 a month from $14.99. ESPN Plus is rising to $10.99 from $9.99. And these increases all go into effect October 1st. Iger said during the earnings call day before yesterday, the company's going to follow Netflix's lead in cracking down on password sharing. We're actively exploring ways to address account sharing and the best options for paying subscribers to share their accounts with friends and family. That's Iger talking. We will roll out tactics to drive monetization sometimes in 2024. Legacy Hollywood Studios are attempting to spin their way to streaming success in the face of plummeting TV ad revenue. More and more consumers are cutting the cord. It's going to be pay for click. In addition, Joe Biden's economic policies continue to hammer us all in the form of -of out-of-control inflation putting a big damper on consumer spending, and as a result, corporate advertising spending. Disney reported that its traditional TV business saw revenue drop 7% from last year. Overall, the company reported revenues of $22.3 billion for the quarter, falling short of Wall Street's expectations of $22.5 billion. Paramount recently announced that it lost $424 million for the most recent quarter in its streaming services. So all of this big change stuff, this going woke stuff, all of this stuff, it's tanking our economy. Millions of Americans bought into it, and now they're feeling the pain personally. Their investments spots In many cases, these big entertainment companies, they're feeling it, and it all flows downstream. What is going to happen? What's going to happen? Let me just point something out that's not in the entertainment business. A bus company bankruptcy screamed pump and dump scheme. No, what are you talking about, Down? That Proterra, that all-electric bus company, that Joe Biden, right after he was elected, oh, he went to Detroit, made a big deal about it. Not city buses that use gas or diesel anymore. We're going to go all electric, and Proterra's going to lead the way. Picking winners and losers, principally losers, that's always been what happens to the left, particularly when they're on the side of payouts. 
In the middle of concerns of conflicts of interest, taxpayer-funded electric bus company Proterra filed for bankruptcy this week. Joe Biden was all in. Jennifer Granholm, our Secretary of Energy, was all in. In fact, she had invested heavily in Proterra herself. Didn't find out about it till later. And, of course, she wasn't supposed to do that. Proterra was Biden and Kamala's golden boy. It was a company that was supposed to eradicate diesel. Taxpayers were funding it. Now all the money's gone. And we don't know how many possible hundreds of millions of dollars we lost. We don't know where the money went. What we do know is this bankrupt electric bus company had access to at least at least $8 billion. $8 billion. Just one day after the company went bankrupt, Chapter 11, Kamala Harris was touting electric bus manufacturing while in Philadelphia. What the vice president didn't tell us is America's biggest electric bus company just went belly up. In California, the buses caught on fire. Literally. In Philly, they broke down. In Alaska, the batteries froze in the cold And in Minnesota, they stalled out on hills. The wheels on the bus do not go round and round. So why would the Democrats invest so much political capital and our capital in a broken electric bus company? It's part of a scheme. It's been around for ever since we've had stock markets. It's called pump and dump. Jennifer Granholm was the most noted fan of Proterra as the House Oversight Committee called out her violations of the Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act that in part included her ownership of stock in Proterra. Waters called her out, Jesse Waters, with others. He detailed Al Gore had millions invested in the company while he was lobbying the White House to herald it George Soros had over $20 million invested in Proterra. Jennifer Granholm sat on the company's board of directors. She held stock in Proterra while she was secretary. And then she sold it for $1.5 million. Joe Biden even put the Proterra CEO on a prestigious government board and reports say Proterra insiders dumped their stock before the company went bankrupt. Of course They had all that insider information that you and I didn't have. And by the way, I never bought any Proterra, thank God. This was a political bump and dump. Cash out before the crash. The stock has still got a value right now. As of yesterday, it was worth 17 cents a share. And it's just like Solyndra. You remember Biden's big um, screen the panels, solar panels that he he gave 600 million taxpayer dollars to Solyndra. It was supposed to be a loan, but in less than 18 months, it all disappeared and Solyndra went belly up. It's exactly what's happening, it looks like, to Proterra. Let me give you a little skinny from something at the White House. This will hack off a bunch of people that are listening. The White House... On average, and we're talking now about payroll in the White House. There, Joe Biden's White House, on average, pays female employees 
less than male employees. You heard that. Female employees in the White House make less than male employees, even as Biden calls for equal pay in the wider American economy. Now, this is coming from a senior fellow emeritus at the American Enterprise Institute, Mark Perry. The White House's median salary for men in 2023 was 105 grand. Women's median salary was 84,000. Now that's coming from the White House data. The White House asserted in June that women made 83 cents for every dollar a man made in 2022 and alleged that women are not paid, at least in part, the same as men for equal work. They even admitted it. So what is hypocritical is that the White House constantly lectures everybody in the country about the gender pay gap, about 17% at the national level in recent years, by the way, and promotes a false narrative that 100% of the gender differences in media earnings are due to discrimination against women in the workforce without ever considering the dozens of factors that contribute to and explain the difference in median salaries between men and women. The White House is required to deliver a report to Congress every year with the title and salary of every one of the White House office employees. One analysis found that occupational and industry segregation accounted for half the overall gender pay gap. Half and that the relative importance of occupation and industry factors in explaining the gap rose considerably over the period of the study, 1980 to 2010. Didn't go down, kept going up. The gender pay gap does not capture the full picture as women engage in the labor force in a bunch of different ways. A lot of times have to consider their family's care responsibilities alongside their employment. 20% discrepancy in pay at the White House. How is that happening? And how is it tenable with anybody? And why would they even put that out there? You would think this White House especially would try to hide it. The top third of employees in terms of pay at the White House are 63.9% male and make between $168,000 and $183,000 while the bottom two-thirds are 65.7% female and make between $51,000 and $55,000. Wow. The analysis of White Owl salaries show how men and women can get paid the same when working side-by-side doing the same job, which is the case at the White House every year, but you can still have an overall gender earnings gap comparing median salaries that has nothing to do with gender discrimination but can be explained by the number of other factors that contribute to earnings differentials between any two groups, including hours worked, continuous years of experience, the type of job, relative danger or safety of different jobs, education, motherhood, marriage, family considerations, commute time, more men in senior positions at the White House versus more women in entry-level positions, and those are all things that can be considered. Comparing median salaries, however, whether at the White House or nationally, 
is an apples to oranges comparison, that often leads to a very misguided assumption. Corrections. An apples to apples comparison of salaries, whether at the White House or nationally, overwhelmingly reveals that gender discrimination plays no or a very insignificant role in differences in median earnings between men and women. Now, this is from that study. Of course, nobody wants to talk about that part of this. If a woman and a man that do the same job, forget about all of those ancillary things that go along with what they make, what you make, what I make. If a man makes more than a woman, it's automatically sex discrimination. I've had a company for 32 years, a majority of her women, and they make the same or a little bit more than do the men in their same place. It's based on experience and numbers of years in the company. We always just have to weaponize everything, don't we? we got to find a way to denigrate people. We can't just have a conversation. And in that same conversation, consider both sides. We just don't do that anymore. We have to take a side and just diminish who we disagree with politically. What else do we have to tell you about? A couple of more things. Sadly... The White House has come, and our State Department is defending that botched Afghanistan withdrawal. And this comes after those Gold Star families that lost loved ones and that horrible atrocity that happened in the withdrawal from Kabul. Thirteen people were killed by a suicide bomb. Despite that, despite all of the numbers of people that Joe Biden left there, we don't even know, but we do how many exactly, but it's several hundred people that were left there. Some private entities have gone in and worked ways to get them out of the country and get them back to the United States. But the rest of them, we don't know. Despite all that, the State Department came out. And while he offered Joe Biden, Antony Blinken, Condolences to the Gold Star families. The spokesman for the State Department said the Biden administration made the correct policy choice in withdrawing from Afghanistan in 2021. The spokesman Miller also said the State Department has been incredibly transparent about an after-action report that found Secretary Antony Blinken had no idea who was in charge of the withdrawal. This is the guy that was supposed to be in charge of it, and he didn't have any idea who was in charge of it or any information about what was going on. Over $100 billion worth of stuff, American stuff, they walked away from. 13 dead Americans in one incident. Hundreds of others still hiding for their lives because he left them and he promised everybody our military would not leave Afghanistan without all of these people being with them. He didn't, he didn't 
and still doesn't, have a right to be the commander-in-chief. Ask the parents and the siblings of those 13 Americans, their bodies blown apart, using some of the explosives that they had just taken from Bagram Air Base. That air base, our largest, one of our largest on earth in Afghanistan that Biden just walked away from. All that equipment, everything just left it. Folks, that's a wrap on this week. That's a wrap on Friday. I want to thank you for being here. Don't forget tomorrow at truthnewsnet.org our bullet points where you can catch up on every big story. You don't have to ever miss a story. Grab it. Truthnewsnet.org. You have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday morning right here at TNN Live. See you then. Spanish Harlem Mona Lisa You know my reason for reason The step in my Get them back.